0: Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today I'm speaking with Kelly Logan. She is the director of the Tallahassee and Panama City Florida Mind Health Center Clinics. Mrs. Logan has practiced nursing for 19 years and worked as a heart transplant coordinator at the renowned Tampa General Hospital. She received her master's degree in anesthesia from the University of South Florida and has been a board certified nurse anesthetist for nine years. As a nurse anesthetist, Mrs. Logan worked for Moffitt uh, Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, providing anesthesia to oncology patients. In 2014, Mrs. Logan relocated to Tallahassee, Florida, where she has provided a wide range of anesthetic services for Tallahassee Memorial Hospital, Capitol Regional Medical Center, and Archbold Memorial Hospital in Thomasville, Georgia. Most recently, Mrs. Logan is the chief CRNA at a local pain clinic and has concentrated her anesthetic care to chronic pain patients. She is enthusiastic to combine her knowledge of chronic pain with psychiatric care at Florida Mind Health Center. The practice of anesthesia has prepared Mrs. Logan to provide a powerful and effective treatment for patients suffering from PTSD, anxiety, depression, and chronic pain with ketamine. Her extensive knowledge of ketamine, intravenous therapy, pharmacology, airway, and resuscitative management is paramount. Mrs. Logan's passion has always been to help her patients and her empathetic nature provides a calming and safe environment for them. And I can speak from experience, I uh, have been uh, getting treatment um, for my PTSD and that is why uh, this opportunity arose to, to interview you, Kelly, I, um, I I'm, extremely grateful to you and and Zohar for providing such an amazing service. And I I will have the website to the Florida Mind Health Center um, in the show notes, but it's also on the resources page of my website. So uh, for all those listening, uh, make sure you check out uh, the website and um, let's get going. Kelly, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to have this conversation with me, and and thank you so much for what you do.
1: Thank you, Dave, for inviting me. Uh, you know me; I will talk to anyone who will listen. So, if we, you know, can reach people and help more people, then I'm all for it.
0: Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's dig in to really what what started it all, and we'll go all the way back to you know where were you born and raised, and. Uh, What were some of your early life experiences that kind of shaped who you are?
1: I became a nurse um, because I was born with congenital third nerve palsy. Um, I've had 26 surgeries as a child. Um, My last one was uh, I was 20 as an adult, Um, both on my left eye and my right eye as well. Um, Every year that I had surgery, I had a nurse anesthetist with me who took care of me every single time. She retired shortly after I turned 16 um, and I had one more surgery to go and she came in and actually sat with me in the recovery room and stayed with me uh, because she had been with me since I was a baby. And I will never forget, you know, how well she treated me and what such good care she took of me. And it inspired me to want to do anesthesia as well. Um, From an early age, probably I can remember at least being four or five saying I wanted to be a nurse anesthetist. Um, And that's pretty much how my path started into nursing.
0: Wow. Well, where, where were you born and raised at?
1: So I was born and raised in Panama City. Um, So I'm from there, homegrown. I live in Tallahassee now. Um, We've lived, I went to nursing school in Gainesville, and then I finished up my master's degree in Tampa, and then we relocated back to Tallahassee. So I'm happy to, you know, be able to help my hometown uh, as much as I can.
0: Your, Your parents are still there in Panama City, right?
1: My dad still lives in Callaway. Um, My dad actually is the Christmas house. Uh, A lot of you may know um, or have been there throughout the last 25 years. Uh, My parents, you know, decorated their house every single year. And even after my mom passed away, uh, my dad continued that tradition until Hurricane Michael. Uh, And then everything kind of got destroyed. But a lot of people know my dad and um, know his house. So, yeah. (laughs) Talk a little
0: bit about I'm sorry, you said congenital something, palsy?
1: Third nerve palsy. Mm -hmm.
0: Third nerve palsy. And what what exactly is that?
1: So that's the oculomotor nerve. So that is the nerve that controls your eyelid. Um, It controls movement of the eye as well as the pupil. Um, So that is pretty much every year I would have to have a surgery because I would outgrow the sling that they would put in to hold my eyelid up at the time until, you know, technology advanced and they were able to put in an adjustable thing. And so now it's kind of a minor surgery. It's not as big of a deal as it was when I was a child had to have it completely replaced about every year.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's it's gonna be pretty rough. Hard. Yeah. Um, well, walk me through really the, this path that you're on now where, I mean, you're helping, uh, people with PTSD and, and, you know, uh, depression and I mean, to utilize ketamine, I mean, this is a fairly new thing where, you know, it's being recognized as a valid treatment and why, why did it take so long and, and really, how did you get into it?
1: So ketamine uh, was actually used in the 1950s as a horse tranquilizer. Uh, You'll hear that said a lot. Um, A lot of people have a lot of, you know, misconceptions regarding ketamine, and we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But ketamine is actually a Pretty safe drug. Um, So in the 50s, it was used as a horse tranquilizer. And then when the Vietnam War came along, they were actually using it in the field to treat soldiers who were wounded. And what they found was these soldiers didn't feel pain um, and they were able to treat them in the field appropriately with them being anesthetized. And after Vietnam War, in the seventies and eighties, they started using it to treat veterans for chronic pain. Well, and also quote unquote shell shock. You know, at the time we didn't know that it was PTSD. So there wasn't a name for it. So they called it shell shock. Uh, So what they found was their pain was getting better, but also their shell shock or PTSD was also improving. So that led to studies of, okay, well, if this is helping their pain, well, what if we microdose ketamine, would that also help depression, anxiety, and PTSD? And lo and behold, yes, it does. So how I got into this. um, So I started working in a pain clinic about three years ago. Um, I left my job as a, you know, full-time hospital nurse anesthetist uh, so that I could work more part-time, also 1099, meaning I own my own business. Um, I make my own hours. So I decided to take a position at a pain clinic. Um, Loved loved the pain patients, loved doing this sort of work. Uh, It also offered me better hours, a little more freedom. In the meantime, I decided I wanted to look into open up a ketamine clinic myself. Um, There are a a lot of red tape, it's very difficult to open up a ketamine clinic, so I quickly got discouraged, however, kept taking courses, kept reading as much as I could about ketamine and learning as much as I could, and um, my now partner, Zohar, uh, opened the clinic here in Tallahassee, so he knew my partner at the pain clinic uh, and called him to ask him if he was interested in doing ketamine, and my partner was like, no, I'm not, but I do have the perfect person and somebody who is. So I ended up uh, starting here last February, and I absolutely do not want to do anything else. Uh, This is now my full-time job. I've transitioned completely. And also we opened the Panama City clinic as well. Um, So that is kind of how I got started doing this. In the meantime, I'm also working on my psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner so that I can provide more care for my patients and be able to do more. So I have a huge passion for this. Um, I love doing this. It works very well um, and the patients do very well as you obviously know. Um, And also ketamine has saved my life. Um, So that is something that I'm very passionate about as well uh, because it saved my life uh, with severe postpartum depression.
0: Can you walk us through what ketamine actually does what is the mechanism and how is it used to to treat ptsd and and postpartum depression Mm -hmm.
1: so ketamine for ptsd anxiety depression postpartum depression ocd bipolar disorder um, it can treat all of those things and when we do infusions for depression uh, it's a 45 minute infusion and then i keep you 15 to 20 minutes afterwards uh, to make sure that you're doing okay So these are sub anesthetic doses um, or quote unquote micro dosing is what you'll hear uh, through the IV. So what ketamine does is ketamine is an antagonist or a blocker of a receptor. If you think of receptors as gates, um, gates are everywhere in your body and they open and close to either turn off or turn on a function of your body, increase your heart rate, help you to breathe, tell you when you're hungry, when you're sad, all of those things require receptors. And that's actually pretty much how most drugs work. They target a specific receptor and either turn on the receptor or turn off the receptor, open and close the gate. So if you think of the drug as a key that goes to the gate and either opens or closes it. So in ketamine specific, it will go to these receptors called NMDA receptors. Those are n methyl diaspartame receptors. And what it does is it antagonizes or turns off those receptors. When it does that, it causes a surge of a chemical, a neurotransmitter called glutamate. Uh, what glutamate does is it actually stimulates new nerve function um, and it actually stimulates those nerve pathways to work better and also communicate better between each other. We feel that with depression, those nerve pathways are broken down and they're not functioning like they should be. And so ketamine goes in and basically resets them and restarts them and helps them function properly.
0: When we're talking about this, I I think it's important for, I mean, maybe those that aren't struggling with PTSD, but still want to understand it because maybe somebody they love is is struggling with it. But, you know, I guess that... um, Over well, I guess from being traumatized, you have these certain pathways so that whenever you're triggered, it may not be like this dangerous event or it's just something similar that that triggers that pathway to open up and you're flooded with basically the the you are reacting as if you are being traumatized again. Mm-hmm. Is that? And so what ketamine does is it repairs those pathways or closes the pathway and allows your body to kind of rewire itself back to the way it should be. Is that?
1: Correct. Correct.
0: Have they been using ketamine for this purpose all all along?
1: Yes. Um, In the last probably five years, it's become more and more accepted. And definitely in the last two to three years, Um, More and more ketamine clinics are opening. Um, The data from Europe will be presented this year on ketamine, psilocybin, as well as MDMA. Uh, So psychedelics truly are the future of psychiatry. Um, And and I see it as well. Uh, I see these patients go from horrific PTSD, horrific treatment-resistant depression, who have tried everything, been on every med, tried TMS, um, ECT sometimes as well, and they come in and they get ketamine and they're back to themselves. Um, That is one of the most rewarding things about doing this is watching a patient go from significant depression to where they can't even leave or get out of bed every day to, hey, I went to the grocery store today or I'm back at work. I mean, it's such an unbelievable thing to watch.
0: You've been doing this for several years now and I'm your partner Zohar mm-hmm. he mainly operates out of the Gainesville clinic right
1: correct
0: and you are operating mostly in Tallahassee but you also have the Panama City clinic that's open and i i guess you're actually installing another nurse anesthetist there yes uh, to manage that so yeah so i, I I'm really excited to see how your business grows and how many people you're able to help. Because uh, as word gets out and people see the research or they're motivated to, to dig into the research and see how well it's utilized, I, I would imagine uh, the people that you're able to help is going to increase astronomically. When you're treating PTSD, I'm curious, like how you yourself have become trauma informed. And I mean, you're so well, you're awesome to work with. And, (laughs) and you're, uh, you're obviously trauma informed, like just the way that you talk with your patients and you're, it's like, it comes to you naturally, but I would imagine there's some experience behind it that uh, allows you to function at such a high level in awareness. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Um, so, you know, before, um, before I did ketamine myself, these would be very, very difficult subjects for me. Um, and now I can sit here and discuss this openly. Um, the biggest thing that I want patients to know and people to know is, number one, it's okay to ask for help. Um, I don't want a patient to ever feel that they will get any judgment from me because that's absolutely not the case. Um, Number two, uh, I absolutely know what this is like. Um, I know what depression is like. I know what postpartum depression is like. And um, I do have some childhood trauma from obviously, you know, being different, uh, being picked on, being bullied. Um, Those scars last, unfortunately. And you know, unresolved childhood trauma typically turns into high functioning anxiety and PTSD as an adult. So I definitely um, have researched a lot of that and read a lot of that because I also wanna help myself, not only my patients, but I wanna be able to help myself. Um, so it's interesting doing this in the beginning, I became very overwhelmed um, because obviously I'm an empath. So, Hearing trauma over and over again, uh, I became extremely overwhelmed and almost to the point to where I didn't know if this is what I wanted to do anymore um, because I couldn't take it um, as far as sadness. And so I knew that I needed to work on myself uh, in order to be able to help patients because I was going to burn out. Um, so I actually started doing a CBT therapy, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, that focuses mainly on trauma and root cause of the problem and how can we restructure your thinking to where you can cope appropriately um, with stressors and triggers in your life. Um, Because anytime patients would talk about childhood trauma or, you know, being bullied or picked on, that obviously would bring back memories for me as well. So those were unresolved issues that I needed to take care of. Um, So fortunately, you know, ketamine was able to do that for me. Uh, I made more progress in therapy than I have my entire adult life. And I've been able to openly discuss these things now. um, And now I'm able to talk to patients and help patients because of my experience as a child. Um, You know, high function anxiety, unfortunately, affects a huge number of professionals, um, as well as non-professionals. So high function anxiety can rear itself as the person looks like they're an overachiever. They are extremely intelligent. Uh, They work hard. They people-please. So everyone likes them, but they will people-please to their own detriment. Um, and, And that was me. So those are things that are very difficult to deal with and very difficult for me to talk about until recently. And that is kind of how I view my patients. Um, how would I want to be treated and how would I want someone to react to me? Um, and I would want them to react with compassion and empathy. And um, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, in our medical community, that is not what patients are given and that's not how they are treated. Um, so Zohar and I both feel very strongly that we do things differently. That is one of the reasons why we don't have a secretary um, because most of the time when patients call, they're calling for help and they want one of us. Uh, so we answer our own phones. Uh, and so if patients call, they will always get one of us.
0: I never even considered that. Uh, I I just thought I was special.
1: <laughs> you are <laughs> special.
0: <laughs> Can you explain the, the process of, you know, When you're utilizing ketamine to treat PTSD using low doses, uh, sub, what did you say?
1: Sub-anesthetic.
0: Sub-anesthetic. And there's multiple sessions that you do and you increase, you slowly increase the dose to a certain point. What is... Going on in in the brain and in your body chemistry through this loading process. and and how does the infusion I'm just curious about the mechanics of it all.
1: So there's two sides to ketamine. Um, there is the actual chemical side, and that is a side that I was telling you about in the beginning where you get that surge of glutamate. And the receptors, basically the ends of the receptors restructure themselves and they, you were able to communicate better between each other. Um, so that is the chemical side, what chemically ketamine does and kind of repairs. So also ketamine has psychological properties. Um, so ketamine is the absolute safest psychedelic that we have uh, to treat depression and anxiety. Um, it is safe because number one, we can turn it off. Um, IV is the safest route. There's other routes that you know you can get ketamine, but IV, number one, is the safest. It's the most studied, um, and it's the best chance for patients to feel better. Um, so basically, psychologically, what happens is ketamine can bring out lots of emotions. It can also bring out suppressed memories. Um, I kind of akin suppressed memories to parasites. Um, that's kind of what they are and are memories that patients can't necessarily access or because our body is very smart, our brain is very smart. So our brain's defense mechanism for some people is when they have a trauma is to bury it um, and so that you don't remember it uh, or you black out, that kind of thing. So that is our brain's natural defense because our brain's job is to keep us alive. Our brain's job is not to keep us happy, it's to keep us alive. So in order to do that, any traumatic event, um, that's why patients a lot of times don't remember traumatic events uh, because their brain, that fight or flight response immediately suppresses those memories. So what ketamine does is it brings those memories out um, and it brings those feelings out so that you are in a safe place um, and able to discuss those feelings and memories and work through them. So that is kind of how the healing process works is you have to have both pieces, not only the chemical aspect of ketamine working so that you feel better, but also the psychological aspect of repairing what's broken.
0: Speaking from experience now, uh, Yeah, it's just my personal experience. There's been a couple of sessions where afterwards, it was like this closet of just fucked up shit was opened. And it was stuff that, I mean, I wasn't even aware that I had forgotten or buried. Mm. And now it's there. And it seems like it would be harder than it is to deal with. I feel like that's like a second or a third function of the ketamine is being able to address those issues in a way that, I mean, I just didn't have the ability to do before. And it's it's phenomenal. I, I mean, I just have... Uh, I I mean, I've spent a couple of days, you know, crying and, and that kind of thing, but I, I mean, for those that have listened to a lot of my episodes, it's possible that you heard one of the conversations about the healing properties of crying, like the chemicals that are released when you cry. I mean, I feel like if I had dealt with those traumas when they happen, maybe by crying, I wouldn't have buried them in the first place, you know. Um, but that's
1: not your fault. That's your body's natural defense and your brain's natural defense is to survive.
0: I'm blown away by what you're doing. And just, I hate that I just learned about it. <laughs> Man, I would have jumped all over this uh, years ago, but. I'm here now, maybe I wasn't ready for it back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, For veterans that, you know, they're being treated by the VA, I mean, this is a VA approved treatment. Does the VA pay for it?
1: So um, in some instances, yes. Uh, And that would be basically a veteran would have to call TRICARE um, and see if they would consider covering it. Uh, But I do have patients under TRICARE who have been able to get approved. Um, You know, that's kind of state-specific sometimes. Uh, Florida, we are a little bit behind, uh, as always. um, You know, Oregon and all the states in the Midwest are always way ahead of us. So we are a little bit behind here in Florida. uh, But insurance companies slowly are starting to, you know, even consider reimbursing some. So we are getting there. Um, We are trying. The reason why ketamine is not typically reimbursed or paid for or covered is because it is off-label use. So even though ketamine is an FDA-approved drug for the use of anesthesia, um, it is not an FDA-approved drug for anxiety, depression, PTSD. Uh, But drugs are used all the time for off-label use. That's not uncommon, uh, but that just gives your insurance company the reason to deny it. Um, So we are, I promise we are working on that. Uh, Zohar and I both, you know, kind of fight for insurance companies. Uh, There are hundreds of CRNA-owned clinics across the nation who we are all fighting for the same thing uh, to help patients and more patients as possible. So we do have a nonprofit. um, It is called Veterans Mind Health. And so any veteran who cannot afford care, uh, we will take care of them for PTSD, anxiety and depression. And for us, uh, we donate our time uh, so that the money goes further. Uh, we are taking donations, even if someone donates $50, that anything helps. Um, and so all of that money, 100% goes to taking care of veterans.
0: Is there a link on on the website to be able to there do There will that?
1: be, yes. Uh, the nonprofit took us almost two years now uh, to finally get approved and uh, we submitted everything. Um, So that has been something that has been huge for us um, that we are at least now able to take donations. So that's the final piece uh, is having the website done as well as the link so patients or people can donate.
0: Is there like an application process that a veteran would need to?
1: Yes, Uh, they would have to show financial need um, and they would also have to submit their DD 14 so that we know that they are a veteran.
0: Now, we've mentioned Zohar a couple of times. I plan on mm-hmm. having him on the show to interview him. But can you talk a little bit about him and, and the role that he plays in, in this, uh, well, the nonprofit and uh, the just the, the clinic itself?
1: So Zohar is the founder for Florida Mind Health. Um, he is the mastermind behind all of this. Um, He has been doing this for several years now, and he is also the one that trained me um, and made me the provider that I am and and basically helped me in order to be able to do ketamine. This is completely different than anesthesia, Uh, and it was something that I had to learn uh, how to do. You know, you can read in a book all you want, but, you know, the book doesn't really help you in real life experiences, you know, how to help patients with ketamine. So I was very fortunate and trained well, and he trained me very well. And um, now, you know, we have three clinics. Um, but he is an excellent provider, a wonderful CRNA, and an even more amazing person.
0: When when we were first establishing care and all that, uh, you outlined the the loading process was going to be six to eight infusions, mm-hmm. and and the doses go up it increases to a point where you find the therapeutic dose correct can you talk a little bit about that process and how you determine what the dose is and you know how you determine whether it's 6 to 8 treatments or you know I, i'm curious about that
1: so basically um the most researched um, amount of ketamine basically is six. Um, That is the kind of magic number that shows the best potential for lasting relief. The last thing that you wanna do with ketamine is do two or three infusions and feel better. And then stop, and in a couple of weeks, you're gonna feel bad again. Um, so, that is why we typically do a minimum of six infusions. Also, some patients, you know, I can go up faster than others. Um, it all depends on how the patient tolerates the ketamine. So, ketamine does have some bad side effects, and we can talk about that in just a second. But, six infusions is the best chance to get lasting relief. Um, and by lasting, I mean two to three months before you have to come back for a booster infusion. What happens is when we get to treatment six is I typically will evaluate the patient, see how they're doing, Uh, we will do PHQ scores, which is for depression and GAD7 scores, which is for anxiety. So we do both of those scores and compare those scores to the beginning and also how the patient verbally tells me that they're doing. Um, And if they aren't quite where we need to be, then we will go ahead and do eight or if they are just starting to feel better. Um, I don't want a patient who is just starting to feel better, you know, feel bad again in a week. So we will go ahead and do two more. I will tell you most patients who have severe uh, long-term PTSD or treatment resistant depression typically take eight. And then after that, um, we go to maintenance. Um, Maintenance for the average patient is every about two to three months. They will come back and do one infusion. Um, I do have some patients who may come monthly. It's usually my younger patients with higher metabolisms. Um, And then I have patients who can go four or five months, Um, but the average patient's about every two to three months.
0: And is that because the ketamine, like, is stored in your body or...
1: Yeah. So basically what happens is those receptors get reset and over time they kind of revert back to the way they were. For some patients, they actually can reset and stay that way and then they never have to come back. Um, But that's not typically what we see. Typically patients have to come back for booster infusions because eventually the ketamine wears off.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the side effects and, and how you manage those.
1: So bad side effects of ketamine are increased blood pressure, increased heart rate. Uh, So patients are monitored continuously throughout the infusion. Uh, The blood pressure is monitored as well as um, pulse ox, EKG. So I know at all times what the heart rate is, what the blood pressure is. And as far as, you know, the other bad side effects psychologically, Hallucinating and dissociating. So those are typically the two that patients don't like. Um, So hallucinations, you know, you can see people, um, you can see different things, um, you can see distorted things, colors, um, also dissociating. So dissociating is the one that's typically the most difficult for people, um, especially people who are very type A, high functioning kind of control freaks you know, dissociating can be very difficult um, because you feel like you're not in your body and that's such a strange feeling. So that is why we gradually have to go up on the dose because what we do is we start off on a lower dose and I want patients to gradually feel that feeling before they completely dissociate. The reason why we wanna get to that part is because that's where patients can actually meditate and work through things that are going on with them. So, As we progress in dose, that gets more and more intense, um, but they get easier to handle um, with each subsequent infusion. And also um, you learn how to tolerate ketamine better and you kind of know what that feeling is before we get there and it's so strong, if that makes sense. Yeah, well. You can also have some nausea. I I do treat nausea. Um, I have several different anti-nausea medications. Um, Sometimes with patients, they can be dehydrated. So we've had to give fluids. Also, uh, you can have a mild headache and and basically feel a little drunk for about an hour afterwards. Uh, The headache typically doesn't last long. It's usually a very annoying headache, um, which Tylenol, ibuprofen, caffeine can take care of and also make sure that you're staying hydrated. Uh, But we treat all of those symptoms as best we can, but they are very short lived.
0: You recommend that when you were going through the ketamine therapy, you're also getting some form of psychotherapy.
1: Absolutely. Ketamine can bring out lots of emotions, like we just talked about, Um, lots of past events that could have happened that you obviously don't remember. They were suppressed, and now they are coming out. Um, I am not a trained therapist, nor do I want to (laughs) be, although (laughs) I will talk to patients, absolutely. Um, I will always be here. You know, if patients are suicidal, anything like that, I'm always here to talk to them. My phone is always on. However, it is important for patients to talk about those things and process them because those are the patients who I typically see that struggle are patients who do ketamine and they feel better, but they don't work on the underlying issues. And so it's almost like a negative vicious cycle of I feel better now, but I didn't work on anything. And six months later, I'm back in the same spot that I was. Uh, because I didn't work on my coping. That is the common theme that I see with patients is their lack of coping mechanisms.
0: Kelly, I gotta thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and and share what you've been doing and and uh, just really how many people out there could actually use this therapy to to help themselves. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit HollenbachLeadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, Please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts, linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them, and the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.